Veterans Path, helping veterans find peace, acceptance, transformation, and honor through practical tools like meditation and mindfulness, physical and outdoor experiences, and a community of camaraderie. I'm John McCaskill, a Navy SEAL commander turned mindfulness teacher. Here on the Veterans Path podcast, I interview veterans, athletes, corporate leaders, and many others who found peace through the practices of meditation and mindfulness, breaking down the stigma of pursuing mental health and making it a priority, improving and saving lives. All right. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good day. I'm John McCaskill, and my guest today is yoga therapist Samantha Parker. Samantha holds a Bachelor of Science in Sports and Exercise Science and a Master of Science in Kinesiology. As a CIAYT, that's a tongue twister, certified yoga therapist and certified personal trainer, she has taught over 7,000 hours of yoga around the globe. She served as the first chief yoga therapist for the DOT at Longstool Regional Medical Center, treating U.S. and NATO special forces suffering from polytrauma, TBIs, and PTSD. She developed, managed, and researched the first yoga program addressing kinesiophobia to reduce chronic pain, opioid medications, improve soldier function, readiness, and return to active duty status. In addition to working with special forces and active duty military, she has also worked with professional athletes from football players to elite ballet dancers. CEO of NMS, creator of Yomo, and best-selling author of Yoga for Chronic Pain, WTF. And that's actually the title of the book. I didn't just throw that in there. She speaks, trains, and develops yoga-based movement programs to address kinesiophobia. She advises fitness, yoga, and medical providers, along with leading military and government officials on the newest emerging yoga therapy and functional movement practices. She currently resides in D.C., still working for the U.S. government. We're going to learn a lot more about Samantha, how she became a yoga therapist, and what she's doing with it now. That's all here in today's episode of the Veterans Path Podcast. But before we jump into the conversation with Sam, I'll go ahead and stop here for a quick plug for our sponsors. All right, welcome back. As mentioned before the break, my guest today is yoga therapist, Samantha Parker. Welcome to the show, Sam. Hi, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. How was your weekend? Fairly uneventful. (laughs) Um, I did work my part-time gig, which is um, actually working with an inpatient addiction facility. And so um, on the weekends, I will be there and run fitness programs and offer yoga, yoga therapy Uh, to individuals who are going. (laughs) Yeah, just working, I guess. (laughs) And uh, I think the last time we chatted, we collaborated on a, a Warrior at Ease uh, article, and then you were down here last May for uh, for a yoga and mindfulness little session that we ran together. What have you been up to outside of that? And I'm sure it's been a while. So, what have you been up to? Uh, so I am my the Yomo uh, certification program is underway. I am now starting to. Uh, train and certify individuals um, as kinesiophobia exercise specialists. And so it's a specific certification that is designed for individuals within the medical facility or medical um, practices and or uh, health and fitness professionals. But it helps individuals learn to be more aware of what kinesiophobia is how to address it within their clients and their patients, and then techniques and strategies and helping them overcome this kinesiophobia. And kinesiophobia is just a, well, I guess the medical definition is, um, you know, a extreme fear of movement and is defined as excessive, irrational, and even debilitating fear of physical movement and activity um, that has either resulted to um, from a painful injury, and it's also a fear of re-injury. And it's actually extremely more common than so many people even understand. And um, it's actually not even, and this is what's kind of so crazy about it, is it's really not even taught in school. I mean, 
even with all of my college, even in personal training, my yoga therapy classes, it's never mentioned and it's never really gone over. So I kind of found that interesting as I started learning more about the kinesiophobia and, you know, what I realized I was doing unconsciously and working with all of these people and why they were getting such great results was I was actually addressing their kinesiophobia. Nice. And yeah. And I'd actually never heard of it before I met you and then we discussed it and it makes perfect sense. I mean, you know, if, if something hurts, then, you know, the old joke, doctor hurts when I do this and the doctor says, well, don't do that. And well, that's, mm-hmm. that's all too often. The truth is that we don't do what hurts and we are afraid of the pain. Um, so yeah, I, I'm surprised it's not taught more. And I, I am, I'm glad that I know about it, but only, only because of uh, working with you. So we definitely want to get more into that and how you got down that road here in a minute. But what I'm doing is I start every show off with a little bit about Veterans Path and why we do what we do, how we do what we do, and then why we're doing the podcast as well. So um, Veterans Path, we introduce veterans to meditation and mindfulness, typically in outdoor settings, so they can rediscover peace, acceptance, transformation, and honor. And that's where the word path in our name comes from, peace, acceptance, transformation, and honor. And the point of this podcast is to make people more aware of what we do to increase support of and attendance at our retreats while simultaneously reducing the stigma around seeking mental health support. Listeners can directly support Veterans Path by clicking on the support button on the podcast or by visiting veteranspath.org forward slash donate. Okay, so now all that uh, into the, uh, let's get into the show. Uh, outside of your professional bio that I just covered, what, what would you like our listeners to know about you? Oh, wow. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, So I'm a military, well, I'm divorced now, but I was a military spouse for 17 years. So um, even though I was not active duty, I was surrounded by active duty in general uh, for many, many years, 17, I do believe. And over those years, we uh, lived in Italy, Korea, and in Germany. And uh, I was a personal trainer. And, you know, yoga instructor and it was fantastic part-time gig especially being with the military because every time we moved I had a job basically within you know two weeks from getting there sometimes even before we got to our next duty station and it was great too because of the kids it was flexible and over the years I just realized like I love this and it just grew from there and I ended up working with a lot of active duty and I heard this so frequently that were coming to me for personal training and they would be like hey I just got off a shoulder and a back profile I've got 60 days to pass my PT test so help me (laughs) (laughs) and I was like okay and I was very fortunate every single one of them passed Uh, I had a little bit of unorthodox like well why why am I not running? I have to run to pass my PT test. Why aren't you having me run? <laughs> and I, and, but it worked and they were so pleasantly surprised. And that led me, um, when we got to Germany, my children were older and I was like, well, maybe it's time to get a quote unquote real job. Um, and so I started looking within the USA jobs, um, government site. Right. And I came across the, the job at Launchstool with the DOD. Um, and it was a kinesia, or I'm sorry, a kinesia therapy assistant, comma, yoga instructor position. And I was like, oh my gosh, this PD is like written just for me. This nice. is crazy. This is insane. And I applied and <laughs> um, I remember I bombed the interview. I thought I bombed the interview. Uh, so I went in and he was like, so do you have any research experience? I'm like, well, like I've been my own guinea pig for years. I was like, does that count? <laughs> <laughs> but um, it sure as heck did. And then, and then I was offered the job and one of the best jobs I've ever had. I loved it. I learned so much from the patients and the other medical professionals I was working with. And yeah. How long were you in that position? So, I was 
there for about four and a half, almost five years. And so the the program, um, it went through a couple acronym changes, <laughs> but we fell underneath pain and anesthesia. And uh, we were called the IPMC at one point, which is the Interdisciplinary Pain Management Clinic. And then we basically, I was part of the MRP, the Movement Recovery Program. And so uh, we were tasked, we had multiple different providers. So we had an acupuncturist, a massage therapist, a pain trained psychiatrist, a pain doc, uh, OT, PT, and myself, the yoga therapist, and a couple others. But um, yeah, so we were tasked with creating a program using more holistic modalities to help with chronic pain in general. And in more particularly, to help give individuals ways and techniques in order to manage their pain, especially when they start coming off their pain medication. And so this was back, I believe, in 2010. It was a congressional mandate. And I don't know if you've ever seen the documentary Escape Fire. Escape uh, Fire? It's on YouTube. Mm-hmm. No, I haven't. Yep. It's on, it's on YouTube. It's really interesting. But that is basically how this program uh, was put into action. And they realized that there was such a huge disconnect, especially with military and as you know, even though we're supposed to have these amazing medical database systems that are supposed to talk to everybody across the world, if somebody got injured down in Afghanistan and they were given something and put on a plane, you know, med flight to launch stool, and then they were either taken care of at launch stool or stabilized in order to get med flighted out to wherever they needed to be in the state, there were sometimes prescriptions that were missed. You know, it wasn't logged correctly. You know, the systems weren't talking to each other. And a part of it, even though they may not want to admit it, they kind of do, but there was ended up becoming a prescription opioid medication use and many accidental and deliberate suicides within the military. And they're like, this is just not acceptable. We have to do something. And so that we were one of five pilot programs that were tasked with creating a very simple, easy, duplicatable program that could then be implemented within other military facilities and the VAs. And from our understanding, we had the best outcomes. We had the most easy duplicatable uh, system. And they thought, oh, my gosh, your numbers are so good. You had to have been patting them. (laughs) (laughs) The way you could have been getting such great results. And when they realized, no, we, we were, they're like, okay, your program it is. But then the funding, you know, was up in 2020, and then unfortunately, new initiatives came, and the program just kind of fell flat. So um, I, I do think that there's other programs that are being surrounding, you know, and other uh, branches. I know the Navy's got some very good ones. Uh, I do believe the VA is trying to implement similar programs, but uh, they're all kind of doing it their own different way, and, you know, so they're trying. Right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so. Yep. So if you could um, kind of help the, the listeners understand and, and me, quite frankly, um, the difference between a yoga therapist and a yoga instructor. Yes, I would love to do that. <laughs> so, yoga, well, it is very confusing um, or it's not that confusing, but really right now there's only about 3,800 certified yoga therapists globally. Wow. So it's a very new and emerging field. And the standards these days uh, are about a thousand plus hours of training in yoga. And after, so the way that there's different certifications, there's a 200 hour yoga certification, which is very basic and very generic. And many times, depending on the style of yoga you want to teach, that would be the style of yoga teacher training that you would go to. So like a Bikram, uh, I'm sure you may have heard of that. I have, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I watched a documentary yeah. on that not too long ago. On, yes, on Bikram. I did too. Yeah, it's pretty Yeah, wild. I did too. Mm-hmm. He, I actually met him once. Yeah. I actually did recon on him at a conference he was having in Paris uh, to see the program because one of their head individuals were trying to actually get the military 
to implement Bikram into kind of these programs mm-hmm. or make it like offered and kind of like a standard. But there's so many like contraindications of not just the physical, but, you know, the heat and, you know, cueings that they give. It's just really not healthy in general for the average public. And then especially individuals who have got medical conditions and right. multiple. Yeah. But um, so then the teacher trainings will be tailored towards that. And then the governing body over yoga instructors is called Yoga Alliance. Okay. And they kind of set the standards and have ended up kind of becoming like, yeah, the governing body. So now it was only, I think it was only in back in about 2004. And my years could dress, you know, be a little off. So please give me some wiggle room. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but they really kind of started making these standards. And so if you, they, from if I remember correctly, they were kind of grandfathering and in yoga instructors. But then they started making it so schools had to have specific um, hours and in-contact hours of training individuals. The scary kind of thing was, though, at one point, you only had to have like 20 hours of anatomy and physiology that was in the total of 200 hours of the teacher training. And so some styles would focus more on Sanskrit, which is the language of yoga. and then some would focus more on philosophy, like the eight limbs of yoga. Um, so they kind of help standardize and make it so these trainings would offer as much as an equal to throughout the entire 200 hour to mm. give every one of these sections a little bit more um, information and training on. And then after the 200-hour certification, you have a 300-hour certification that, when combined with the 200-hour, leads to a 500-hour yoga certification. And so that's just more additional training. And then a yoga therapist has got 1,000-plus hours. Got it. And after about the 500 hours, the training starts to become more of how you use yoga techniques and practices. Um. And working with individuals with medical conditions. So you do go a little bit more in depth about more anatomy and physiology, uh, PTSD, more trauma sensitive yoga, more mindfulness, different types of techniques and things along that line. Um, Yeah. So again, kind of depending on the school, they will have all of these different, you know, types of trainings and maybe for vertigo or neuropathy or sleeping and Yep, anxiety, stress. So, so uh, would it but, be a true statement to say all yoga therapists have been yoga instructors, but not not all yoga instructors are yoga therapists? Yes, okay. that would be a truthful statement. Okay, correct. So it's, it's basically a be- stepping stone towards this, the yoga instructor. Not necessarily, but you have to have taken that step to become a yoga therapist. You have to have been a yoga instructor. At first, correct. Got it. Okay. Yep. And now they're even offering like little MS, like Masters of Yoga Therapy in integrative medical universities. Oh wow! So the University of Maryland, mm -hmm, they have an acupuncturist, uh, you know, licensing, but then they also offer, I I believe it's a yoga and master or a master's in yoga therapy, and they have the whole complete entire program. And so a lot of more universities are starting to offer these, especially if they're more like integrative uh, medical um, hospital clinics or universities. So it's starting to, yeah. And then you've got separate organizations that offer that as well. And I, I do hear this quite often from the yoga community. All yoga is therapy. And there've been a lot of, yoga teachers, instructors that have been doing this for so long. Um, And so they kind of feel like they don't need to have that certification. However, because so the uh, IAYT is the acronym for the International Association of Yoga Therapists. Okay. And now they're kind of the governing body of yoga therapists, kind of like yoga alliances. Right. 
And Yoga Alliance doesn't want anything to kind of do with yoga or um, IAYT and, yeah, because of the medical. But a lot of the individuals who actually started up IAYT have medical licensing of some kind. So a lot of behavioral health, uh, physical therapists, some, you know, DOs, and they were using portions of yoga practices and techniques within their modalities. So as insurance companies have kind of evolved, you know, okay, well, we'll take the mindfulness, the deep diaphragmatic breathing that's taught in, you know, behavioral health as like a CBT, a cognitive behavioral therapy. We'll take that from yoga and implement it within our modality. We can put a billing code on it. And now we can get paid for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now it can be part of our scope of practice. Right. Um, I kind of joke around too, like physical therapists, they're like, when I work with individuals, they're like, oh, we did this in, I did this in PT. I'm like, yeah, well, physical therapy has been around since 1936. Yoga has been around since like 4,000 plus years. <laughs> so I kind of joke around like physical therapists stole all their moves from yoga. But it's, it's, and over the years in learning to basically try to validate, um, hopefully, you know, many years down the road that you will be able to get yoga therapy as part of your rehab, um, especially within medical facilities and or you'll be able to get reimbursed from it. So, you know, your your doctor, your provider might say, okay, well, you can go to the physical therapist. After you're done with the physical therapist, I want you to go to a yoga therapist. Yeah. And so hopefully, well, that's kind of what some of us would like to see is this starting to be reimbursed through medical companies because when you put together um, kind of in a way all of the components of American, you know, medical treatment, you know, PT, uh, the breathing techniques, but when you combine it all together, it's so much more effective. And that's what really is done in like a yoga practice. So you're getting the physical, you're getting the um, emotional and then the mental components as well. Mm-hmm. So we're not just sectioning out, oh, it's your back. Right. Um, because many times the emotional and the mental stress will lead to physical yeah, discomfort sure. and pain. Sure. Manifest mm-hmm. itself in, in some type of physical pain or uh, discomfort for sure. So yep. you're currently doing what? Are you working with uh, Congress uh, as the yoga therapist? <laughs> Yes. So right now, so my full-time job is I'm a health and fitness specialist for members of Congress and their significant others. And so they um, do have, you know, memberships. Your taxpayers' dollars are not paying for it. It's their own um, (laughs) funding. So I always like to say, you know, to say that, but um, we do, I'm kind of like an on-call personal trainer uh, yoga instructor, but because of my capacity as a yoga therapist, I work with a lot of members. I kind of joke around. We do a lot of deep diaphragmatic breathing to lower blood pressure. <laughs> but um, but there's individuals who are, you know, that do have a lot of stress or, you know, with their lifestyles, with all the traveling, um, a lot of individuals were um, collegiate athletes. So, you know, they're suffering, you know, they've got old injuries. And so I work with them a lot. And and what's nice is they're starting to really understand the difference between a yoga class and how a yoga therapist is able to help. Got it. And in mm-hmm. our in our uh, emailing and texting back and forth, you mentioned uh, how Congress is unaware of these programs yet want to create and make this more mainstream in the military and civilian sector. What, what do you mean by that? Well, um, so... As I mentioned previously, like the the program at Launchstool was congressionally mandated. So, but unfortunately, I think that sometimes um, the individuals, the members who are able to create these bills and who are able to fund programs like this, they're n- not as aware of what programs are already out there which programs have gotten great results where a lot of them really do get good results. Uh, But there's, there's kind of like this little bit of a disconnect. And unfortunately too, you know, it's, 
in the yoga world and especially yoga therapists, there's kind of a divide. Some want to actually have it become a licensed um, profession like physical therapists or like massage therapists. Uh, And then there's a lot of individuals that do not want that to be happen because it's, it's, it becomes a little bit problematic. It's very similar to acupuncturists. There's so many different things an acupuncturist can do for each individual that could be extremely beneficial from them, for them. Um, but because it's licensed, they have to stay within certain specific protocols. And if you deviate from that protocol, it's the same thing with like a personal, you know, a physical therapist, uh, a regular doctor, there's a protocol that they have to follow. And if they deviate from it, it potentially could open them up for lawsuits. Sure. And so it's kind of like that, so, but it's these standards really become limiting on the practitioner and for the patient uh, because there's so many other things that they could do that provides them with more freedom and could be more beneficial. Now, please, this is kind of based off of what I know. So maybe, mm-hmm. you know, and I think too, it also depends on where you practice, what type of practice you're in. Um, you know, there's a lot of different factors that come into play, but for myself, and this is my personal opinion as a yoga therapist, I don't want to get a license because what style of yoga and the type of, and the individual who I am, and then the people that I'm working with, if I have to follow a standard protocol, it may not be as beneficial to this person as it would be to patient X. Right. And so if you are able to have that freedom to be able to work with that patient or client, sorry, within that, you know, within still what you have learned um, and that's going to be able to provide the best results, but it just becomes problematic if we got to slap a billing code on it, which is going to have to have like a standard operating procedure. So that's, kind of where it gets tricky and then a lot of insurance yeah Yeah. and so then it goes back to with the insurance companies reimbursing for it you know well they really want to reimburse for something that's you know a licensed profession which i understand but i don't know i my (laughs) person again this is sam philosophy this is like but i'm like they're making this entirely way too difficult it's (laughs) it's kind of the same thing with like personal trainers like a lot of these personal trainers certifications, you go on the weekend, you sit for a proctored exam. So if you're a good test taker, and some of them do have a practical, like you have to kind of practice the moves, but then you're certified. That's completely different than somebody like myself who's got an undergrad in exercise science, you know, master's in kinesiology or exercise phys. Those individuals, they are more of like a fitness professional. And individuals like that could be offering much more in-depth programs and help to complement like physical therapists or occupational therapists. But again, they're not licensed and, but I don't think they have to be. So it's the same thing with the yoga therapist. They've got all of this information, knowledge, and skill set that can be extremely complementary to other medical practices, but Again, because it's not licensed, um, we, you know, a lot of facilities are not willing to hire them right. because they don't have we cannot chart. Yeah, we don't have a billing code to be able to get reimbursed for it. Yeah. Now, there are some facilities that are kind of already stepping out, and they understand, like, hey, if we pay this person, like, a salary, we're actually going to make a lot more money on the back end and just because, you know, our patients are going to be getting better. You know, so there there are some facilities, and but yeah, that's a lot of bureaucracy. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds and, like uh, a lot of red tape. Yep, it is. But they're starting to become aware this is actually very, very beneficial for multiple, multiple people for many different um, uh, medical concerns. And now that people are starting to understand the differences, now people are starting to kind of go, okay, how can how can we maybe be able to get this, you know, reimbursed or maybe, you know, how, how are we able to help more individuals and make it more accessible to the general public? Uh, that's the other thing about yoga therapists is we are a lot, you know, we're, we're 
a little bit more on the expensive side, but it's because of the knowledge and the training that we've had. And um, I think a lot of people too don't really understand like a, cert a yoga therapist certification can cost upwards of like thirty thousand wow. dollars. Almost the same as like yeah. I mean it, it's it's expensive. So um, you know, and these days too, fortunately, some schools and academic, you know, uh, you know, student loans, you could you know, federal funding I think is available kind of the same thing as like a just a regular college degree but yeah it's it, it's pretty pricey <laughs> so we kinda, yeah so as much as we want to give back we also need to pay the light bill so <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah so, so we try to find that balance and um yeah so i think it would be great if there is a way that we can figure out how to help offset the cost so it's just more accessible to the general public. The same, and my personal opinion too, the same thing with like exercise professionals um, that really have a good solid base knowledge and are working, you know, as personal trainers potentially at fitness clubs, but their skill set is, you know, much greater sure. and beneficial to the people that they're working with. Well, that um, kind of leads into my, my next question, the, the exercise and yoga and mindfulness and how those three kind of work together and we've discussed this in the past um and how they complement one another but they also help to enhance traditional west western medical treatment um, can you speak to the science behind why yoga and mindfulness help with the kinesiophobia that we were speaking about earlier yeah um so there's a the, okay so the benefits these days of in the science and the research that is now able to show the actual impact especially on the brain so not just the physical but now we're able to hook everybody up to these really cool electrodes and do you know mris and ct scans and see how the brain changes when individuals exercise and meditate um and it's all across the board. I get asked this, this like all the time, like, Sam, if I have to do like one form of exercise, what's the best one? My personal opinion, you need all of it. You <laughs> need your, you, you, you need your cardio, um, your cardio or vascular, you know, you need your aerobic, you need your strength and um, your resistance training. You need your flexibility and you need to um, exercise your mind as well and the meditation. And so there's actually, there's a lot of really, really cool research out there, but um, there's one that's done on a meditate, it's a yoga curtain kriya chant. It's about 12 minutes long, but the way that the chant is performed, it activates the auditory because you kind of sing it for about two minutes, you whisper it for them two minutes, and then you think about it for two minutes. But they're called seed sounds in yoga. Okay. And the seed sounds, from my understanding, they're actually, and it's a satanama, and these are seed sounds in the Sanskrit language. But I think your root, the roof of your mouth has got like 82 acupuncture points on it. I think maybe 84. I can't really remember. But basically, the seed sounds and the way that they're formed, they, they basically stimulate all of the acupuncture points on the roof of the mouth. And then you've got the tactile because you're doing this thing with the fingers, which is just a slight finger touch. And then the visualization um, when you're thinking it. And then you're also kind of imagining this amazing energy coming through the crown of your head out your third eye. And sometimes that's where I'll lose people. But, <laughs> it, but, but they did this um, research study on Alzheimer's patients. And there's a website, and I can send you the link if you want to allow it, you know, people, yeah. listeners to look at it. But basically, I cannot remember the duration. I want to say 12 weeks. I could be incorrect. But basically, everybody did this for 12 minutes a day, every day. Uh, they did pictures, imagery of their brains pre and post, and gray matter and white matter improved. So basically, just doing this one chant can help to prevent Alzheimer's. I don't want to necessarily say reverse, but it does help to also prevent other cognitive um, decline and the same benefits with exercise. 
cardiovascular. Um, it helps to improve neurogenesis. And this is, you know, and then so the neurogenesis, those are your neurons. So you need all of these neurons so you can, you know, think a lot quicker <laughs> and so and uh, grow your mind. And it's amazing. And they're, again, able to show this by doing pre and post um, brain scans. Um, and the same, so that, I mean, and oh my gosh, you name it, I can probably figure out, I mean, I can find a research article on the benefits of strength and conditioning, um, but with all aspects of it. So not just, you know, your cardio, but your weight resistance and then the yoga, but yoga as well. What really is beneficial about the yoga is there is, it helps to reconnect the body and the mind because so many of us, the brain is taking in so much sensory input all day, right? It's taking in, you know, this conversation and then the people that are in the room. And then if you're driving, if you're listening to the, you know, this podcast in the car, and then you may even have some thoughts about, Oh shoot, I got to get um, Joey to practice at six o'clock. I just realized it's five o'clock. You know, your brain is taking in all of this sensory input. Right. And, we have what are called neural pathways and yep. this is the way that the brain has just learned a behavior and it defaults to it because what happens is when you travel that pathway so long, it becomes your default. Right. So yep. exercising helps to improve neurogenesis, which helps to also redirect our neural pathways. And so changing a poor or poor behavioral pattern we need to replace it with a healthy one and so many of us because we're going through our daily lives we're not mindful of our behaviors and so we're constantly defaulting to these patterns and these behaviors that we didn't even really intentionally set we just kind of fell into them if that makes any sense absolutely it does so and so with yoga there's so many west I mean, the way that a lot of these studios do yoga these days is not really kind of what it was intended for. You know, if you look at um, individuals who are practicing yoga in India, it's done much differently than what we do here in the States. Yoga is really not designed to be a cardio workout. It's really not designed to be power yoga. You know, it's, it's, yeah, it's great. Um, If you want to do it, I'm glad you're moving and it will be beneficial but a lot of times people are so busy just trying to keep up with the movements throughout the class or kind of like keep up with the Joneses. They're not being mindful of what their body is doing in that moment. And if we're able to slow things down, and this is where the mindfulness comes into play, yoga is a perfect time to do it of being actually very mindful of what the body is doing. So we're able to help the mind become kind of more cognitively aware of, well, does this actually feel comfortable? Do I like the sensation? Some, you know, it also helps us to become aware of emotional state that we're in. And many times that emotional state will dictate our default behavioral patterns, right? We're sad, yeah. we're lonely, we'll eat more. <laughs> or, or, you know, it's so the slowing of the movement down helps the mind just become so much more aware of one, how we're feeling in that moment. And that's the practice. That's why it's called a yoga practice. It's the same. Honestly, I also do this when I'm personal training with people and I can have them in the gym. It's so much more beneficial. People many times will get injured because they're not being mindful of what their body is telling them. They'll keep like throwing, they'll keep doing these massive Olympic lifts even though they're putting on too, they know their body is basically telling them like, look, uh, you know, this, this is too much weight. We don't need to be doing this, right. but the ego gets in the way and it keeps going, you know, and we want to keep up with the Joneses. So we'll keep throwing that weight on and we'll keep lifting. And the next thing you know, boom, you've blown out your back, you know, and I've seen that many again, times. It's, it's, oh yeah. yeah. I kind of joke around. I know it's awful, but you know, people like that kind of keep me in business because then they come to me and they're like, my back's, you know, I'm jacked up. Yeah. help or my shoulders all jacked up and they're it's again this is all sam talk but 
I, I personally feel that the fitness and yoga industry is doing more of a disservice these days than actually a service to individuals because we keep saying bigger is better, you know, do these really cool movements, do this machine. We're not helping individuals actually really get in touch and become mindful of what they're physically experiencing and then how that makes them feel. Um, there's a neuroscientist, his name is Dr. Wolpert, Dr. David or Dr. Daniel Wolpert. Oh my gosh, he did a TED Talk. And I love the way that he says this is because he says, our brains have basically evolved to do one thing, which is to, uh, which is to perform complex adaptable movements. And if you think about it, everything starts with a thought, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so these and what has happened over the years as we as humans have evolved, our society has shifted to where it's almost socially acceptable to retreat from discomfort. And so we take ourselves out of the discomfort because one, it's socially acceptable. And here you need this quick fix, right? So do these exercises, do this fad diet. It's going to make you skinny. It's going to get you to where you need to be in a short amount of time. And you don't have to put a lot of effort into it. And that's not really the reality. It sells the product, but that's not sustainable and it's not reality. Right. I mean, you may get the results, but they're many times very short-lived. Sure. And it's just kind of like the biggest loser. You know, it's a great reality, but they did a retrospective study, from my understanding. Every yeah. single one of them put on all the weight, if not more. I've seen that. For one. Yeah, because it wasn't done in a sustainable way. They all weren't right. taught the behaviors. And it's the mindfulness of why we go to these, one, just becoming aware of our behaviors. And then, because that's the first step is just acknowledging them and go, oh, wow, I didn't realize I was defaulting to this behavioral pattern or you know, this action when I felt X, Y, and Z, or when I was in this type of environment. And yoga and exercise, yoga more especially, but it really helps us to become mindful. And yoga is, if you kind of break it down, it's yoke to join. So to join the mind and the body. There you go. Yeah. Going back, going back to what we were talking about earlier. Full circle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so the um, you've got you've got some things coming up, right? Some some upcoming events and retreats. Yes, um, I do. I'm really excited about it. Um, well, I I offer continuing ed for uh, I offer 200 hour teacher training yoga certifications. But I also do um, continuing ed for yoga instructors. They're called Yakups. Uh, also other fitness professionals. So like if they need their ACE or um, ACSM, you know, continuing ed's uh, education. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually presenting at Fitness Fest in Arizona in April. Nice. So it's like the 17th through the 19th. So I'll present there and people who attend, you know, the workshops that they take, they'll get continuing education. Um, I'm speaking at a couple other ones uh, throughout the year as well. But what I'm most excited about is I'm starting to train people on the, um, the kinesiophobia exercise specialist certification, which is also the YOMO program, which in the process of getting their certification, they learn how to implement and work with individuals through the program that is loosely based off of what I created over at Launch Tool. That's awesome. And yeah, so we got such amazing results. Uh, and everybody's like, why is this not accessible to us? I'm like, well, that's a good question. So let's see how we can make it accessible. And then in October, I am doing the first, my first yoga therapy retreat in Spain. And the difference between, I don't know, have you ever been to a yoga retreat? I have not, nope. Okay. So typically a regular yoga retreat is you'll go to a destination and they'll have morning yoga classes, evening yoga classes, uh, you know, some excursions, some other fun stuff. So it's, it's kind of like a little mini vacation, but with a lot of yoga, you know, worked in there as well. Mm-hmm. But 
they're typically like regular yoga classes. So something that you would go to a yoga studio and find. Right. My retreat is actually going to be tailored more towards chronic pain in general. And so individuals who and are suffering with any type of pain, shoulder, back, neck, head, you know, <laughs> um, what I'll do is it's going to be in the morning times, we'll have uh, kind of like little mini yoga therapy workshops. So one morning I'll be like yoga therapy for chronic lower back pain. The next day it will be uh, yoga therapy for shoulders, yoga therapy for neuropathy, vertigo. So all of these other components that could be playing a major role in having a huge impact on somebody's life. But I wanted, you know, that old saying, I'd rather, you know, get, you know, teach somebody to fish instead of sure. just giving them a fish. Yeah. And that's what these retreats I want to do. So in addition, in the evening times, it will be different types of yoga nidra, which is more of a calming um, in physical therapy, OT, they call it PMR, progressive muscle relaxation. Right, right, so right. each evening, it'll be a meditation set, you know, session, but it'll be different types. So individuals can figure out what works best for them. And then the differences as well, because there's so much information out there. So even though you can Google and research this stuff, sometimes it's it's totally different when you actually experience it. And you're like, oh, I'm really glad I did that. I didn't really know this existed. I like this. This worked for me. And so this way people can kind of learn techniques and strategies and then how to almost kind of craft their perfect health cocktail and creating like their little, you know, ways of being either preventative of their pain um, and potential injuries flaring up and or being able to continue on and become more active in their lives. But now they know how to manage it after. So their flare-ups might be less or even altogether non-existent. There's going to be hiking. So then that way when we're out on the hiking trail, we'll work on ergonomics. So if somebody's back starts to flare up, hey, here are some yoga techniques that you can do to, um, you know, try to help alleviate the discomfort when you're on the hike. Uh, then also after, so post-exercise, there's going to be um, YOMO, which is the exercise program. So that's going to be offered. So people will learn how to modify burpees and their push-ups, and, you know, very simple, common exercises that they'll encounter in any fitness studio for the most part. Right. And then how to protect and modify and keep themselves safe uh, when they go out and um, take part in these other activities. Uh, things like essential oils, we're going to have little essential oils workshops and what works for you, the, the science and why they're beneficial, meditation, and more guidance on the difference between anti-inflammatory foods that can cause inflammation and, you know, contribute to pain, um, little cooking. So, yeah, it's going to be my personal opinion about good overall health is it's not one thing. It's sure. it's not going to be, you know, it's, it's figuring out how all of these different modalities and strategies are able to help you, but then also becoming aware of as you shift and grow, how these techniques may be able to be shifted or rejoined in some manner or to help you as you continue to grow i mean that came out really kind of bad, that sounds but... pretty amazing <laughs> uh, please well, send me the link to okay. that and i'll share it with the, mm -hmm. the listeners um because um, if i had the time i would love to come to that that's a, that sounds pretty phenomenal well i'm actually this is kind of cool i've got a friend of mine he's active duty he's about retired too but he does you know those um those bracelets with the the cord yeah, the, yeah. Um, parachute card. Yeah. Oh my gosh, his designs are just unbelievable. And so he's actually going to do a whole bunch for me. Uh, people who purchase them, the proceeds from it are going to go into a pot in order to help a vet or a first responder, basically a scholarship for them to come over and oh, partake in cool. the. Yeah, I thought so too. I'd love it too if maybe we could try to find some other organizations that might like to host slash sponsor, um, you know, a vet or a first responder. But it this is going to be all over the board, you know, all over the board, but also contained. 
but in, you know, how, you know, PTSD types of trauma, you know, and how the physical um, benefits of the movement are able to help offset <laughs> the benefits of those other components as well, PTSD, mm. TBIs. Mm. Um, and then I'm also working in doing little mini I kind of kind of find a catchier name for it, but like little mini chronic pain retreats. So on the weekends, uh, I'm able to utilize the national parks, and I would I'm we're going to be pulling together like local practitioners, like acupuncturists, massage therapists, uh, yoga therapists, uh, other people that would like to volunteer, um, you know, mindfulness individuals, but. I want people to be able to be there, especially veterans. And then in the evening times, it's kind of similar structure to the yoga retreat that I'm going to be doing in Spain, but it's going to be really condensed. So they'll have access to yoga therapy classes and then in nighttime mindfulness. And then during the daytime, um, individuals to help them with the ergonomics of when they go canoeing or biking or hiking or swimming or whatever. And then also too, the local um, acupuncturist can show them the difference between what auricular acupuncture is compared to, you know, this other form of acupuncture or dry needling. Um, physical therapists offer dry needling, but it's completely different than an actual acupuncturist. Uh, oh, some yeah. people, I've, I've you know, felt, I've felt dry needling. That is uh, not acupuncture. <laughs> <laughs> it is exactly. uncomfortable. Uh, and but unfortunately, but I sometimes it, I think it works. But yeah, it's it's oh, painful. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, but an acupuncturist, though, oh my gosh! I mean, it's so I've I've heard many people and patients go, oh my gosh, I've done dry needling, never doing it again. I'm like, no, trust me, you try our acupuncturist, and they're like, oh my god, that was amazing. But again, they they don't really know the differences, and right. they kind of associate the same. And the same thing with massage therapists, there's this complete and total difference between a medical massage and then, you know, a nice, like, feel-good couples massage. Sure. You know, there, there's these total differences. And also, too, self-massage techniques. There's so many things that you can utilize, like tennis balls, lacrosse balls, all kinds of good things that, you know, can really be beneficial for individuals to manage and even prevent, you know, their pain. Sure. So, yeah. Well, awesome. But, what have we, uh, what have we not discussed that you would like to make sure we talk about? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> At this moment, I, I do not know. Yeah, I'm going to go but, back through my list here. I think we've covered everything that, that you'd wanted to talk about. So what about your, uh, your personal, do you have a personal mindfulness practice besides the, the yoga that you do? Um, I do, uh, the, the chant, I do do the yoga chant. Um, yeah. but also too, you know, what I found is like over the years, <laughs> the meditation part is like the most like complicated. I know that sounds like crazy, right? It should be easy to <laughs> sit still, right? <laughs> but for me, I do, I find it so challenging and the way that a yoga practice is designed, it's actually like to help prepare the body to be able to sit so we're able to focus on calming the mind um, for the meditation. That's, the, that's challenging because, you know, the mind is constantly jumping from this thought to that thought, and that's what it's supposed to be doing. That's, right. that's a good thing. However, learning to control that, oh, that's challenging. <laughs> but, <laughs> but what I found, too, though, is for myself is um, moving meditations. I really enjoy just getting out into the woods and just running or I, who am I kidding? Jogging or walking <laughs> and, you know, and just being, just being present. Yeah. And I think sometimes people forget that that's a form of meditation as well. That's a form of mindfulness. It is. It's absolutely. Just be, mm -hmm. And so I learned like if I'm having problems, or it's being a little bit more challenging for me this week to sit still and do the meditation. I will. I'll go out for a jog or, you know, get on the treadmill or bike ride or something. And it just helps me become more mindful and present in the moment. So, nice. it, you know, taking in the sights and how about you? Yeah, no, that's, uh, there's a lot of that. There's, 
a lot more mindfulness in my day than there is meditation. I try to be disciplined about setting my time aside to meditate, but there are days that uh, it gets away from me. But I definitely try to be mindful through the day, um, whether it's uh, eating mindfully or, uh, you know, when I'm with my, my little ones, that I am very intentional about paying attention to what it is we're doing, uh, you know, reading a book together or, or I mean, heck, even watching TV, I, I try not to zone out. I try to be very aware of what it is we're watching, and I'll talk about it to my daughter to make sure that I stay in the moment because I could very easily kind of become a zombie staring at, at that TV and start thinking about tomorrow or start thinking about next week instead of thinking about the the very great fact that I'm sitting there with my daughter and what a blessing that is. So yeah, there's, there's definitely the formal practices of the meditation that I try to implement every day as much as possible. Um, I, ideally, I do it, you know, 15 minutes in the morning, 15 minutes after lunch. Uh, but yeah, there's days that, that that gets away from me. But then the mindfulness mm-hmm. practices is definitely where I'm putting a lot more effort these days than, uh, th- I mean, heck, a few years ago, I didn't even know what that was. So I'm definitely <laughs> trying to be uh, more mindful yeah. throughout my days. Well, Sam, this has been awesome. Um, if people wanted to get a hold of you or get a hold of your book, um, what's the name of the book again? It's uh, yoga <laughs> for chronic pain. Dot dot dot. WTF? Question <laughs> mark. I just wanted you to say <laughs> it. So good job. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it's a uh, it's a it, it's not your typical yoga book. It actually goes up. Um, the chapters are more based off of kinesiophobia, hypersensitivity, um, you know, things like this, and then how yoga is able to address these issues and how all of these components play a role in your pain or pain in general. And then how like really simple, easy tricks and tips uh, and ways to keep you safe in pretty much any yoga class. Nice. Oh, and I forgot too. um, I actually am going to be able, uh, this is awesome too. uh, Here in about another month or two, I will have be on a exercise app. Oh, and really? the great thing about this app, yeah, um, it's, it's great. It's a new startup. Um, but you'll be able to find me on there and pay or get codes or whatever in order to access. But I'm going to have yoga therapy videos in there. Nice. So they're going to be anywhere from like 10 to 20 minutes long. And it'll be like, here's a nice little easy yoga flow sequence for your lower back. Here's one for your shoulders. Here's one for vertigo. So I'm going to go through all of these different ones, hip, knees, you know, um, and then this way people will have access because I keep, people are like, can you send me that flow? I'll be like, oh yeah, but this is going to be great. I can put it down and I can tell, you know, ask people just say, hey, yeah, it's here. Just go download this app and it's going to be there. Nice. Um, Yeah. What's the name of that that. Um, It's called Triad Triad. XP. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. And I can send you, like I said, it's in, it's still kind of a startup. So yeah. it's still a little bit work in progress, but I'm excited about it. And yeah. then um, <laughs> my website, uh, Sam Parker, MMSTraining.com. Uh, upcoming events that I'll be speaking at, upcoming trainings, um, also to the yoga retreat, uh, where you can sign up for that. Nice. Details about that will be located on there as well. Okay. Well, yeah, there, I'll just put a um, link to your to your website, it sounds like it'll capture just about everything. Yes, it's still a work in progress. I'm currently in the process of like having somebody revamp it, but I'm really excited about it. So. All right. Well, cool. Yes. Thanks so much, Sam. It's uh, It's been great having you. It's been great catching up with you and, uh, and hearing everything that you've got going on. It sounds like you're uh, you're staying plenty busy, but that's good. It's uh, It sounds like you're doing great work. <laughs> Thank you. I'm trying. <laughs> and thank you for having these podcasts. I'm, I really enjoy them and I'm learning something new all the time from them. So thank you. Well, thanks for listening. Thank I appreciate you. it. And for, for our other listeners, uh, thank you for listening to our show. Please check out Veterans Path online at veteranspath.org. We are on social media. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Pinterest, and YouTube. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please hit the subscribe button and share it with your friends and families. And remember, listeners, 
You can directly support Veterans Path by clicking on the support button on the podcast or by visiting veteranspath.org forward slash donate. Thank you all and have a blessed day. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Veterans Path Podcast. Please follow us on social media and think about sharing your story with us there and potentially on the show. Together, we can make mental health a priority, improving and saving lives. 